2: This is episode 75 of Alohomora, for March 22nd, 2014. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 75 of Alohomora. I am Eric Skull.
3: I'm Kat Miller.
2: And I'm Michael
4: Harley. And our guest today is Amir Adris. Amir, say hi to everybody.
5: Hi. And hi. you're an
4: author, Amir. Yes, I am. That's pr- pretty cool. Can you tell us a little bit about the book that you've written?
5: Um, yeah. So I'm the author of the Ewald series, which, um, it's supposed to be a five-part series. And currently I'm on, um, I'm currently writing book three. And wow. Book two's already been published. And it's sort of like Harry Potter and Narnia. It's kind of like in between. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And and that's how up. old are you? I'm in grade nine. I'm 14 right now.
4: And you started writing when you were 12, right?
5: Yeah. Wow. Um-
3: <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> wow, that's great. Where can we find your book?
5: Um. Well, you can go to ewaldseries.com or com. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow.
4: Um, yeah, it'll be great to have a a writer's perspective too t- today on the chapters that were. Examining, it definitely, will,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about your um your Potter story. Like, what house are you, and your wand, all that jazz.
5: Okay, well, um, I actually don't know my wand, but I am a very proud Ravenclaw.
3: All right. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the house cup is uh, Ravenclaw versus Hufflepuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know they it's... do the uh, the house cups uh, at the end of every term. And this episode is the end of a book. So it's nice that we're evenly matched. Yeah. Well, and on Pottermore, they're doing the House
4: Cup pretty soon. Today, th- the day we're recording, they're actually celebrating Hufflepuff Pride. That's right. So Ooh. so it's all coming together, you guys. Go Puffies.
2: <laughs> That's my new this nickname.
3: Go Puffies. Puffies. <laughs> puffies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Brilliant. Just kidding. Um, But of course, as always, we want to remind everybody listening that we are going to analyze chapter 37 of the Goblet of Fire today, the very last chapter, which is oddly called The Beginning. Um, Mm. So be sure to read the chapter before you listen to the episode for maximum enjoyment.
4: But before we begin the beginning, we are going to go back one chapter to chapter 36 and look at the listener responses uh, from The Parting of the Ways. And there were a lot of different conversation topics that came up um, from that episode that you guys analyzed, but the biggest one, probably this week, was about Dumbledore and Fox the Phoenix, um, which, of course, our last episode, we had a lot of discussion about that. Uh, on the main site, we had Archduke Severus, Aaron White, Hedwig's Theme, Hinky Puff, Lolita W., Marine. Mysterium Scriptor, spectacularly hypothetical, and Subjective Unicorn all participating on the main site in this topic, as well as Huffleclaw Ravenpuff, which is a perfect screen name for today,
0: <laughs> and Moderator
4: Kai Kidd on the forums discussing this topic. But I took responses today uh, are from Axio Potassium, a great username, um, the first one being Dumbledore may have expected Harry to have the same phoenix feather core as Voldemort since the very beginning. This may explain why Garrick Ollivander gave the information about the phoenix wands to Dumbledore immediately after Harry left his shop. Could it be that Mr. Ollivander was under orders from Dumbledore to notify him at once if this event took place? This could also explain why Dumbledore knew about the effects of Priory and in such great detail in this chapter. Um, so we had a lot of discussion last week about... Uh, how much Dumbledore knew, and a lot of you guys kind of went back and forth on if Dumbledore was aware of the of the Priori Cantatum when he gave Ollivander the two phoenix feathers, or whether he had no idea what was going on. So, I did want to kind of review with you guys here on the podcast today what your thoughts on this are. Here come the thoughts. <laughs> Here comes the thoughts (laughs) They're rolling on the thought train
3: (laughs) Coming into the station
2: (laughs)
4: Not all at once, slow down you
2: guys (laughs) (laughs) It's possible that Dumbledore knew I guess to to expect something I'm still wondering exactly why there were two given um, But definitely, if he didn't know about Priory and Katana before it happened With Harry and, and Voldemort getting the same wand core I can see how it would happen Afterwards, after Ollivander wrote him that letter, that he would start researching what that means. Um, Didn't,
3: um, isn't it said that, or maybe I'm just making this up, whatever. Didn't Priory Incantatum, Incantatum, however you say it, um, happen with Dumbledore and Grindelwald?
4: Oh, you mean during their final confrontation with Yeah, Ariana? maybe that's
3: just like... Fan fiction seeping into my brain, but I feel like I remember that. I Um, don't
4: think that was the case. I think think their spells all just.
2: Yeah, I don't think you had an instance of brother wands dueling. You had brothers dueling um, their wands between Dumbledore and Aberforth, but I don't think anything mysterious happened.
3: I I guess I'm just I'm I'm thinking that Dumbledore knew about it. Is Mm. I guess what I'm getting at. Because it's, so, I don't know, it's Dumbledore. So well, it's Dumbledore, th- he
2: he makes a point to know quite a lot about quite a lot.
3: Right, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's a know-it-all.
2: So you think that
4: when he gave Ollivander the, the feathers for the wands, he knew that something was going to be served? In, because this, we have to consider here that Voldemort got his wand about, you know, 50, 60 years ago prior to what's happening in this book, about 50 years. Um, so... Harry and like Louie and James and Harry don't even exist yet in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's so perfectly planned that people have argued that maybe Dumbledore did somehow do this intentionally.
3: How, um, how in the. No. I don't think it. <laughs> I know. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like, I, Dumbledore, like, knows a lot. He knows a lot. He's a smart guy. But, like, he's not a seer. How can he predict something 50, 40 years in the future? Like, do you
4: th- come on. Do you think. Do you think there was another prediction by somebody about some
2: kind of prophecy or something?
4: <laughs> there are two. Maybe there was prophecies. another prophecy.
3: <laughs> Maybe, but I don't a pre- know.
2: A pre prophecy prophecy. It's possible that Dumbledore only acquired Fox after Voldemort um rose into power and he wanted to better understand or wanted to get the Phoenix that had Somehow, and Mm. Ollivander knew where to find him.
3: That I believe. That I believe.
2: Yeah. Hypothetically,
4: That that Dumbledore acquired Fox after Fox gave the first tail feather. Yeah.
3: The tail feather. Yeah. Yep.
4: (laughs) I could believe that. It's possible. Well, and um, we also had a comment from Nikki Griff on the main site um, in relation to uh, the issue that uh, phoenixes are kind of rare and hard to acquire feathers from, and fox seems to be an unusual case that Ollivander took two feathers from. And Nicky suggested, Maybe once a phoenix has a burning, and thus restarts their life again, the feathers shed from this new phoenix aren't considered to be the same as the old phoenix. Thus, when Harry and Voldemort's swans are said to be brothers, their feathers came from the same phoenix, fox, and the same burning period. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I like that See that But doesn't that kind of put a hole in the theory then Because Fox would have had a burning period Way before That burning period would have happened With Voldemort's tail feather Way before
0: Um,
3: it- That doesn't mean that Harry's wand isn't 50 years old
2: Right it,
3: it was, They could have it, been made at the same time It was
2: quite a way back in uh, Ollivander's library <laughs> That's true. If you remember in the books, it's like the last one that is tried. Yeah.
4: Well, and that's actually why uh, a lot of people on the main site were saying that Dumbledore wasn't um, so in the know because uh, because Ollivander made Harry try a bunch of wands
2: before right. he actually had him try that particular one. Oh, wand. right. And yeah. so if he had said, well, why why don't you give it to Harry? <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just play around. One. Just, you know, yeah. entertain me. Yeah. Humor me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that they were made at the same time and it was just, you know, by chance that Voldemort's wand chose him and and then Harry with the prophecy was fated to get that wand. I just, I don't think it was. Um, you,
2: you know, it's, it's interesting that Voldemort's wand chose him because we think of a phoenix as being like good side object or good side creature. But Voldemort did experience a rebirth or was destined to experience rebirth, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of in line with his wand core. Very
3: fitting. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: it's a really interesting conversation. I enjoyed listening to that uh, last week. Yeah.
4: Episode. No, and and the, the fans, like I said, they really came through with a lot of great discussion topics. Um, but that was really the big one that uh, came through this week. But I wanted to uh, do some shout-outs for the uh, people and the topics that we couldn't get to uh, on the main site... Uh, Bill White, Dan Sharp, Dolphin Patronus, Elvis Gaunt, The Giant Squid, Gobbling Fire. That's a new screen name I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a new one. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> if Hedwig Was a Phoenix, Phoenix Feathered One, Pixie Dragon 137, Pumpkin Fire Soul, and silverdoe 25 participated in the conversation. While on the forums, Bellamort... Lord Trolldemort, Stone Hallows, <laughs> Cyan Girl, Skagai. Skagai, and- what up? Skagai. <laughs> <Sorry. guy. laughs> and Tweak6, uh, we're talking. And um, the topics that you guys covered, were quite a broad range, because <laughs> that last chapter had so many different major discussion points but the really great ones were uh some stuff about the Crouch family the dark mark tattoo which is i think a discussion that will never ever end right. uh Dumbledore's actions Fudge and the dementor the meaning behind the gleam of triumph the fabled gleam of triumph the marauder's map how polyjuice potion works the priory and <laughs> apparitions Snape's flinch and Veritaserum and the Pensive. If you want to join in any of those conversations, just because the episode is over does not mean you can't participate in that. Head over to the main site and the forums.
3: And we actually had um, a lot of audio boos this week as well on some of those topics that um, Michael was talking about. So go to our audio boo page, listen to them, and you can respond to that person with your voice. So it's like, I don't know, audio pen pals is kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> Just...
2: And similarly, at the end of every episode, we come up with one of our questions of the week that relates to each of the chapters we delve through. Now it's time to get to last week's question of the week. The question, just recapping, was the following. Noting that Rita Skeeter was present during the entire debate in the hospital wing, if Hermione had not caught her, what actions would Rita have taken following the evening? What side of the story would she report to the Wizarding World? Would she side with the Ministry and continue to slander Dumbledore and Harry? Or would she make the career-changing move to publish the story behind the return of Lord Voldemort for top dollar sales? How would the Wizarding World as a whole change from her actions? So we got a couple of comments here uh, that I wanted to read on the show. And the first was from last week's guest host, Kevin Bloomfield. Um... Who, I, there aren't any rules. Are there against our guest, previous guest hosts for writing? No, in? no, of course not. No, that, okay, that's even know. better. We love when our guests keep participating after the fact. Exactly. So we encourage uh, all of our guest hosts to do this. Uh, Kevin's comment in response to our podcast question of the week was Rita Skeeter is at heart a conservative, much like Fudge, and accordingly would have towed the party line in regards to Voldemort. Uh Voldemort's return being a hoax, perpetrated by one Albus Dumbledore. She would have reported the events, but in such a way that would uh, presage the Daily Prophet's assault against Harry in Book 5. Additionally, we must remember that she would have seen Sirius, seemingly accepted by Dumbledore, and would have shouted that to the high heavens. That, in my opinion, would have been the most lasting damage from the failure to capture her by Hermione. Dumbledore would be more discredited and the Order of the Phoenix would be slower to take form. I bet as most people would think of Dumbledore as more than a harmless old man off his rocker to instead an aider and a better of murderers and criminals. Hmm. So Kevin points out the fact that Sirius Black is still a very taboo uh, in society character and that that would be something that would further work uh, in Rita's favor to discredit harry and dumbledore
3: but but yeah there was a loud snap yeah (laughs) nope that's i was just making sure the timeline was right um
4: oh yeah she would have seen it she would have seen Sirius pop up so Um, uh, even if she hadn't been caught like especially if she hadn't been caught she probably would have seen it well she did see it yeah
3: because hermione catches her at the bottom of the like fifth paragraph from the end of the chapter Mm-hmm. And Sirius is already there, so she knows. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow, I hadn't ever thought about the whole Sirius angle. Well,
4: that was I know because a- I, I, well, I think we were focusing more on the fact that you know Fudge is kind of the one who looks like a huge idiot in the scene. Um, because of as how us- as usual, as <laughs> par usual, but especially in this scene more than any other. Um, but I think the the yeah we can kind of completely space that. Uh, Rita would probably see Sirius popping up and be like, now there's a story. <laughs> the rest mm. of this conversation has been quite dull. <laughs> and then Sirius Black <laughs> popped up.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. He still probably is one of those trump cards. Um, but the second comment comes from Rose Lumos, who says, Rita Skeeter doesn't care about reporting the truth or about political sides. All she cares about is fame and money. If she didn't get caught by Hermione, I'm sure that she would continue to write slanderous stories about Harry and Dumbledore. If she didn't, she would be shunned from the Daily Prophet, since, as we see in Order of the Phoenix, there are other writers who only write according to Fudge's story. It's like what was discussed in the show. There is a choice between what is easy and what is right. It would be right to tell the truth, but it would be so much easier to do the easy thing, which is to write what the public wants. That being said, even when Rita does get blackmailed into writing Harry’s story later in Order of the Phoenix, even she is skeptical about what Harry is saying. She even hints that if she had free will, she would go back to writing stories about Harry being sad, but a dis- uh, Harry being a sad but disturbed orphan. You can see that it hurts her to write something that the public will disagree with. It mirrors our current world so well. Why would a major newspaper or cable news station report about wars in foreign countries when they can report about what Miley Cyrus wears (laughs) and get more uh, views?
3: Okay, now there's a reference I never thought would be on this show.
2: Miley Cyrus on Alohomora, episode 75. This is the end times.
3: (laughs) Yes. Boom, the Um, world has just exploded. Wow. Wow.
2: Yeah. So this comment in particular and and it was mirrored by several others is basically kind of they they're just saying that Rita is 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 not going to um have any change of heart or really seek the truth at all. Um what is right, what is easy, what is easy to continue going. Um and this this was probably the larger held view. Uh it's kind of the, you know just basing off the main site comments. Um, and it's unfortunate because I really believe the other. Uh, I believe that she would have done what was right. And some comments that would seem to support that, written much better than I could do, are the following. First one, and of two, is from Lord Trolldemort. Lord Troldemort says, I'll be entirely honest with you when I say that Rita Skeeter has a great deal to gain from reporting the truth in this instance. Imagine the absolute scandal which would follow the reveal that Lord Voldemort had returned, and not only that, but that the Ministry of Magic absolutely refuses to recognize that truth. I would think that any reporter worth their salt would be itching to be the first to tap at that source of information if presented. It's not even the fact that it would be the morally correct action to take in this situation, but more so that it would gain her the most attention out of all the choices she could make in this situation. So... Ah. Now yeah, see, getting I kind of what we were I kind of feel
4: like this information like perhaps if Rita didn't exactly report it immediately after I feel like she this this would still be extremely valuable information for her if not to report immediately then perhaps like somewhere down the line um she would it. use it as like a yeah. bargaining chip Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like this would be good blackmail material for her. <laughs> so I mean she's never she the funny thing about Rita that we've kind of seen that we've we've discussed before earlier on in the book is that she never other than her taking out uh her quote unquote revenge on Hermione she doesn't really release things with much like much benefit to her other than she's going to get a lot of readers um which i'm assuming you know she gets paid you know per sale or something of you know the profit but but uh, otherwise it's not really like she has personal grudges with anybody like she doesn't report on harry because she you know has doesn't a grudge against him. him she she yeah she reports on him cuz he's good news mm. um so it's like she wouldn't she, it, it, I I don't know how Rita would use this information to her advantage but I feel like she would
5: at some point.
3: Yeah, she would put it in her pocket and hold on to it for a later time probably. Yeah. Amir, yeah, I, do you have any
5: thoughts? Oh, well yeah, I, I just think that uh that she would like try to get the most out of it and she would try to get the most like um she would publish it at the best time so she could earn the most money and I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it.
2: Well, has Rita been the one who who continues to publish on Bertha Jorkins and all the blunders of the ministry throughout the year? Oh, like the other ones that are... Yeah, the, previ- that the are... previous year, like, that have been going on all year. Were they all, like, Rita's articles? I think...
0: Th- I want to say Fudge imagine. Were.
2: Doesn't Fudge, at one point, complain about Rita? It's like, oh, yeah, she continues to ask about, you know, continues to write stories about... Bertha Jorkins. The press is so Probably. like Rita's not entirely on the side of the Ministry, as I believe others have uh, attested. I um, think actually it's it, it's I, th- I believe it's Crouch who
4: grumbles about her or Bagman because she's been mm-hmm. like you said, Eric. She's she's been poking
2: around in the Games and Sports Department to find out what happened. Really, to the, so an article so. on the rise of Lord Voldemort and the ineptitude of Mister Fudge would be very much uh, timely uh, immediately uh, you know, because it's come to a head and Voldemort is back. And this is all due to oversights from the ministry. I don't know. I think there's an article that's there to be written in the alternate universe of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. But the final comment from our podcast question of the week comes from Aaron White, who says Rita would have done what's best for Rita, probably breaking the story about Voldemort's return and all the other juicy tidbits she learned during her stay on the windowsill would have taken her career to a new level and brought her much fame and fortune. Any positive effect on Harry's reputation for believability would have been purely coincidental to her primary goal of selling the sensational details. I do think, however, that this would have caused her much grief in the form of the Ministry of Magic cracking down on her. She would somehow have been discredited and possibly captured and sent to Azkaban. She was far better off having been captured by her mining.
3: I actually totally agree with that comment. That's super true.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think, well, um, so, you know, the other the other thing perhaps
4: to keep in mind that I guess we didn't really take into consideration is that Rita does write books. Um, mm, right, that's true. So she, if, if, perhaps if the ministry had booted her out, perhaps not as so extreme as sending her to Azkaban, but at least if they had, you know, fired her from the prophet... Um, Perhaps she would have just taken back to her book writing because this is—I mean, she could definitely make a book out of the information that she got. Maybe she
3: would write a tell yeah, all about I mean, serious and, and call it "Seriously Serious." <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, um, you know, just as as Aaron brings up uh, jail time for Rita, you know, Rita could have really gone the way of uh, the WikiLeaks uh, founder gentleman as well for having to oh, flee, having to flee the country. Um, you know, in, in publishing dangerous information directly from the inside, so sensitive, um, that the government has a backlash. And I didn't think about that at all. And I know that, you know, we hadn't considered, uh, that implication when we asked the question last week. So it's always exciting to see, um, the different directions that the listeners take, uh, with our prompts. And I'd like to, as you did earlier, Michael, I'd like to shout out to some of the other participants in the conversation, namely Silverdough25, Halla's Master97, Hedwig's Theme, Archduke Severus, Luna's Love Child, Elvis Gaunt, PixieDragon137, Maureen, and Nikki Griff. Thanks to everyone um, who does participate, and please uh, be encouraged that you can always revisit old podcast questions of the week and continue the discussion going on our show.
3: We only have one more to go. One more question for this book.
2: Oh, no. What's it going to be? I hope it lives up to the hype.
3: I think it's going to, because right now, dun-dun-dun. So I don't know. I felt, oh, uh, it, <laughs> it needed that. I, I think it, we should
2: just keep that. That's Michael, you sure. should just keep her dun-dun-dun in your audio clip. <laughs> sure.
3: um, to, it is time for know. the final chapter of Goblet of Fire. Chapter,
0: chapter 37. To Cedric Diggory. The beginning. To Cedric Diggory.
3: So here we are. It is the end of the year. Voldemort is back. Cedric is dead. Moody is not Moody. He's Crouch. Holy crap. Look at all this stuff that just happened. Wow. And here it is. The beginning of this chapter. You think it's a month later, but guess what? It's not a month later. It's only a couple days later. Anyway. That was so
2: confusing to me.
3: Me too. I had to read it six times this time to be like, wait, is it a month? A week, a day, like she's
2: just illustrating the fact that Harry, when looking back, thinks that it was a confusing time, right?
3: Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay,
2: because she says like even a month later he wasn't sure what had happened, and I was like, right, wow, there was still a month left to school,
3: which is funny. Which It's not funny, but like that's inc- that's incredibly common, like in traumatic mm. situations that you kind of black out, you don't really remember things and stuff like that, and um. That made me think, and this is jumping ahead a little bit in the chapter, because I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of comments on it. This is oh, obviously yeah. proof as to why Harry doesn't see the festrels at the end of the chapter. The fact that like he's incredibly traumatized, doesn't remember things, all of that um, know?
2: but does he not remember Cedric's death because I really wanted to bring that up at the end of this chapter?
3: I mean, we can talk about it when we get there, but yeah. I'm gonna call back to this moment right now,
2: save that discussion, but he's <clears throat> he's traumatized, and I just remember feeling. Sad for Harry. Um, and people who are around him and close to him really are trying to make it better.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So of so course, you know, um Cedric's parents go through this interview with <laughs> Harry, which is like I found that to be the oddest word ever um to use. <laughs> but anyway, and um they wouldn't take the Tri Wizard tournament winnings and I thought to myself, "Ah, even his parents are Hufflepuffs, <laughs> 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 but maybe maybe they're just rich, or it's too much of a reminder of Cedric."
2: It, it's a reminder, and and you think so? Well, they want to remember him um, as being triumphant. And I think as Cedric's mom even says, "Well, he died winning, and he you know he can't have suffered, and and that's the kind of thing that matters to them." But I don't think they would have wanted to essentially profit from their sons. Victory or death. Oh yeah. No. I guess I didn't
3: think of it as profiting from his death. I suppose that's true.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like your son is dead. Here's a thousand galleons, right? Yeah,
4: money. Well, I, yeah, I think that's it. It's like money is not going to bring your son back. Yeah. It's kind of the um, issue here. And, well, the and- way that
2: the way that Cedric's mom refuses it though, and 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 Cedric's parents are are very very interesting. She she says basically to Harry like to be sure to take care of himself. And they, they kind of want him to survive. And I, I may be reading into it a little bit, but basically his continued survival is what furthers their, um, you know, I don't want to say well-being because they're obviously still very injured, but they really want him to go on. Um, they're kind of for him, you know, now because, because of all that has happened and they want to see him be okay and succeed as well. They realize kind of quite rightly that he's also this traumatized kid who, who dealt with this. And so when when they say to him, like, take care of yourself, I was blown away by how mature and, and parental that seemed.
3: So they've definitely thrown away their Potter Stinks badges.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well Amos has. I don't think I don't think Cedric's mom had one.
3: <laughs> Cedric's mom my
2: question, I guess, mostly about his parents though is why we don't see them again. Um Or you know, you know if we do, and maybe I've forgotten it, because book five is huge. Wait, um, wait,
3: I think we meet Amos again, don't we? Not his we mother, Amos but again? I think we see Amos again somewhere. I just
2: always imagined, like, them taking up arms, you know, as as a result of... Maybe they're just not as competent as their son is magically. Like, they just raised a warrior who, you know... Turned into a
3: vampire, Coincidence,
2: right? yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I really kind of expected to see them later in either the order or the battle or something like that. And it's okay, they're like the grieving parents, and they they're allowed to take a back seat um like I'm not saying they should have fought in the final war, but there exists kind of in in a matter of pages um quite a good characterization of these parents who feel like they would be supportive of Harry, and in the future books, he needs all the support he can get.
3: It's literally they're mentioned it's ten lines in the wow. entire book, I mean and that yeah, is and so- we just had a five minute conversation about them. So, well and the yeah. thing
4: the thing that i have to just say is that i i almost kind of i, I feel it's kind of sad that mrs diggory doesn't at least kind of I, I i feel like i have to just give a shout out to mrs diggory we don't even get her first name and she's like such an awesome little ancillary i secondary bet it's cecilia
2: it's cecilia Diggory. they were fond of the <laughs> ce names that's that's big but she's she's a she's
4: a great little character for the moment that she has it's I I just remember rereading this section and I I always have felt that with reading this section is that um she doesn't say that much but it's it's such an, a, an emotional moment and mm-hmm. it's it and her the choices she makes are just um very kind like you said Cat very hufflepuff but very very kind very um mature choices especially in light of kind of how her husband Kind of how Amos was characterized earlier in the book. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: he's, you know, he's not really a pleasant character. He's kind of hard to tolerate. Well, Um, because he's so supportive of his son. And now that his son is gone, he's broken. He doesn't even speak in this. Yeah, he doesn't say anything because he's quiet and he's, 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 he's crying. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's pitiable because he he has lost his pride and joy.
4: When I, it, it's, it's, I, I, I kind of like that because of their, I feel it is kind of because of their past discussions that that's, that there's kind of that underlying reason why Harry and Amos don't address each other either hmm. is because they just,
2: what could they say to each other yeah.
0: really?
3: Right. Sorry, really I was a bastard to, to you, but thanks for getting my kid back. yeah, I don't know. Cedric's
2: mom. Yeah. Cedric's mom really takes the, the lead here and does what needs yeah. to be done. And and she notifies Harry that they don't blame him, which is honestly that's as big a relief as you can hope for, as a good so woman should.
4: Rolling, if we could just get a first name for Mrs. Diggory, uh, that's all I want. And I think rolling, that's I think that's, that's a fair request. Yet, make I think it Cecilia. A, yeah, it's
3: a fair request. <laughs> I'm sure that she knows Cedric's mother's name. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But anyway, well, even
4: if she did, it's Cecilia now,
3: right? Right, according (laughs) to us, right? Yes, that'll be her name in quotes if she ever gives us a real name, like yes, blank Cecilia differently.
2: (laughs) Margaret quotes Cecilia, but her good friends from Hogwarts call her Cecilia. No,
3: they call her Cece. (laughs) She
2: was um, she was in Hogwarts in the seventies when Simon and Garfunkel had that huge hit, and so she renamed herself Cecilia. (laughs)
3: do you think wizards listen to simon and garfunkel wow okay wait wait, wait. everybody listens
2: to simon and garfunkel
3: (laughs) okay wait let's go let's go back to the chapter with harry here okay so um the following evening i don't know if that's after the interview or after the barney crouch thing happened i don't really know but anyway so harry and ron harry and ron hermione and ron tell harry that dumbledore had spoken to the entire school at breakfast and basically requested that they just leave harry alone and i was like Really touched by that?
2: That hmm. was my
3: Valid Girl moment. Um, I was really <laughs> I was like, touched. really
2: touched by that?
3: I was like, really touched by that? Um, <laughs> no, I just thought it was really nice of Dumbledore to express to the school, like, listen, Harry's been through some real ish here. Like, leave him alone. Don't pull, like, the Chamber of Secrets crap on this kid, okay? <laughs> Seriously.
2: Which was mostly Hufflepuffs, too.
3: It was. Oh, there's the coincidence, right? Hmm. Anyway, so... Um, Mrs. Weasley comes, and I guess she had a meeting with Dumbledore, and asks him if Harry can basically go straight to the burrow after school, and Dumbledore says, no way. And when Ron's retelling the story, Harry asks why, and she says, or Ron says that his mother said, Dumbledore has got his reasons. And now I'm wondering, how much did Dumbledore tell Molly? Does she know about the blood protection?
2: Oh. Well, that would be Dumbledore's answer. I don't think Dumbledore's answer to Molly would have been, well, I have a series of spies, uh, you know, in the surrounding premises, and we are fully expecting to allow him to wallow in self-pity and guilt uh, for the foreseeable future, so you should just l- let me leave him there. Um, he w- he definitely would have said words to the effect of, he is safest there, I've made sure of it. Um, you think he because- would be vague like
3: that, then, and not tell her specifically? Yeah,
2: I think he would be vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
4: think he would probably be vague right now, but I think everybody, including people like Molly, are going to get more information once the order is back together. Uh, Now is perhaps not the time to start, uh, you know, revealing certain important information. Um, But once they, you know, once they regroup and have have their fixed place where they can meet where they know is safe, perhaps then she'll find out.
3: I buy that. I buy that. Yeah seems legitimate and actually right in this section here too um there was a line that got me thinking about deathly hallows and how ron gets so mad at dumbledore and ron says i suppose we've got to trust him haven't we hmm. and it just made me immediately think about deathly hallows and how i guess that's I'm a good mad, point how mad ron gets at dumbledore for, <laughs> like kind of being a prat and not telling him everything that he should have i don't know and then moving on on this page, I'm on 718 in the U.S. edition. One of my absolute favorite quotes in the entire chapter oddly comes from Hagrid, which is very rare. Um, you know, they're all visiting him, and he asks Harry, you all right? And Harry says, yeah. And Hagrid's like, no, you're not. Of course you're not, but you will be. And it's just like, oh. I don't know. That's a positivity in Hagrid. I love it. I love it. No,
4: I, and I think this is the thing that I think because we have, we, our discussion on Hagrid is usually so focused in on his alcoholism. Well, (laughs) (laughs) his alcoholism and his, his teaching, his questionable teaching methods. Mm. We, we do sometimes perhaps forget this aspect of Hagrid, which is being Harry's friend. Right. Um, because really, you know, I think, I think we, the most we see of this from Hagrid is really in Sorcerer's Stone when he first meets Harry and really introduces him to the world. Um, and kind of, uh, I feel, makes this bond with Harry that a lot of other characters don't have mm. with Harry. Um, but this, this is one of those moments. And it's what, interestingly, the narration kind of suggests that this is the thing that Harry's been waiting to hear from somebody. Yeah. And nobody's like everybody's kind of going for the you'll be better in time, and and you know but everything's fine you know we're sad that you're sad but you'll be fine and Hagrid's just like nope life sucks right now yeah I get it <laughs> life is harsh but eventually we will find
2: a way to work through it and it's and- it's it's really the optimism is probably because he's going on a secret mission with his lady friend
3: I mean to look for dragons of of all things right or giants you mean. Uh, yes. Oh my God, giants. Yes, I meant giants.
2: <laughs> He'll probably try and get a dragon or two, but uh, Maxime will say that you can't put it in the tent with us. And well, actually, Amir, the, Amir, the thing I wanted to ask you
4: about about this is because I was kind of realizing since you're 14 now, you were, you kind of just like came into the world when Goblet of Fire did, <laughs> around the same <laughs> yeah. time, and so I'm kind of interested to hear, just especially because of the writing in these. You know, we've discussed on the, especially in the last episode, and I think there's a lot of it here as well Is the writing in these particular two chapters, and our fans have said it too, is, is really, um, kind of, uh, it's really a big peak of, of, of Rowling's writing, um, and the way that she drops hints and the way she kind of embeds clues of what's going to come up in the rest of her series. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that and perhaps like how Rowling has inspired you in your writing?
5: yeah definitely like I grew up well obviously I wasn't reading it when I was like two years old but like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like i grew- like um when I was old enough to read the size of like books, I immediately fell in love and it really gave me like a new light of fantasy novels and just like i i like when I was growing up, I used to like non fiction novels more, but then like I read the Harry Potter series and the Narnia books, and I just mm-hmm. fell in love with fiction, so it really helped me like develop my own like writing and it helped me understand what people my age like Harry's mm-hmm. characters uh Harry's character and like other characters in the novels how they were developing and how they felt so it just like mm. put a new perspective on everything
4: yeah well and i think that, i mean these particular chapters i think really do highlight that kind of transition for Harry as a character from kind of growing up in his preteen years to his teenager years um so I would imagine for somebody who's actually kind of writing in that realm that that's that these are a good model for
5: that. Yeah.
3: Um, and it's funny because I noticed in this chapter that there's a lot of I know we've talked about this several times before, like the circle theory and how even though this one's the middle one, it has a lot of ties to books two and six. Mm. And mm-hmm. I found another one here. Um, it's again in this conversation with um, with Hagrid, and he says, "Might." <clears throat> Might be able to stop him. Oh my god, I cannot do a Haggard accent. <laughs> Michael, will you read it for me?
4: Sure. <laughs> no problem. Might be able to stop him before he gets a good hold. That's Dumbledore's plan anyway. Great man, Dumbledore. As long as we've got him, I'm not too worried.
3: So, obviously, I thought about Half-Blood, and poor Dumbledore has like two years left.
2: Mm. That's Mark all. your calendars, everybody.
3: Mark them. now. just <laughs>
4: kidding. Amir, you, now you said you have five books planned in your series, right? Yeah. What book are you on now that you're currently writing?
5: I'm writing the third one, which is actually split in two parts. So the third one's um, part one, and then the fourth will be part two.
4: Oh, okay. So yeah. how, how do you, like, I know we've talked with Lev Grossman about this before, another author, about kind of the... The difficulty of like Im- Embedding clues and whatnot. what his, uh, We asked him like how does he Think of how Rowling does this And he said oh Rowling's on like a completely Different planet from all the rest of us <laughs> um, And he said that he Actually kind of works his mystery Into his books as he's Writing them Is is that kind of How you work your plots do you Kind of leave clues for your next book In the ones you're currently Writing or how does that work For you
5: yeah, um, I just like I foreshadow from like the first book about the second book. I don't do what um, Rowling does and how she sets everything up. So something in the fourth book foreshadows something in the sixth book. I I don't think that far ahead, which is great that she does. So I think she does it differently than most of the most other authors too.
4: Do you think you would ever, like, try and take on a challenge like that, maybe? Because you're, you're quite young for a writer. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've got a lot of time on your hands. You've got a lot of time ahead of you. Do you think you would ever take on a challenge like that?
5: Um, I could try, but probably, like, not... I would never do it as good as she's doing right now, so I don't know. Well,
6: they never, never say, say never, never,
3: man.
5: Yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> you're Ravenclaw. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Make us proud. <laughs> All right, so moving on, after they all leave Hagrid's Hut, they go back up, and it is time for the leaving feast. And this got me thinking, because Harry's talking about how the hall is usually decorated, you know, with the winning house colors for the leaving feast and all this stuff. And obviously this year is kind of different anyway, just not considering, you know, the Voldemort, Cedric, Barty Crouch thing, but the fact that there was a Triwizard Tournament and actually not a Quidditch Tournament. What do we think would have happened on this night? Um, like, what kind of ceremony would take place? Um, what you know, would there the awarding of the cup, the winnings, all of that? What do we think would have happened? I got imagining. It's, so. I well, yeah.
4: I think it would have been some. I mean, we know that Fudge mentions that there was supposed to be a ceremony. Um, so yeah, I, I think it would have been just something like a really big pomp and circumstance hoopla with lots of confetti. And <laughs> you, but, but you know, the one thing to note. Um, In that kind of imaginary scenario is that the Hufflepuffs would have finally gotten the glory (laughs) they have been looking for for a very long time. And there's kind of... I've seen this joke float around kind of the Harry Potter fandom for for years now since Goblet of Fire. That it's like, you know, no matter what Harry does, he always wins house points for Gryffindor. Cedric dies... And they still can't get the house cup, like, even, like, an honorary thing.
5: <laughs> <Wow>.
4: <laughs> like, I'd like to think that maybe there's a shield somewhere in the trophy room in honor of Cedric or something.
3: <laughs> oh, man, I hope so.
4: Because <laughs> he deserves it. But, but yeah, and I, I, I can see why, you know, of course, I obviously know why they wouldn't do that. Because it's kind of the same thing of, like, trying to give Mrs. Diggory the money. It's like it doesn't make up for what happened. Right. Um. But I don't know, perhaps, and, and I don't think the Hufflepuffs would want that. I don't think they would want to bank off of Cedric's de- death as the
2: thing, as the reason why they would finally win a house cup. Mm. Plus, but. if if he really wanted glory, he should have come back as a ghost and they would forever uh, glorify him. Like, <laughs> Money Girdle's got her own bathroom. I mean, that's pretty good real estate if you think about it.
6: Yeah,
3: but Cedric <laughs> is too prideful he's too i don't know he's too cedric to come back as a ghost
2: it's sad to see that this uh closing ceremony is more subdued like you said kat um but like just like any other year like i always wonder what happens to the upperclassmen and lowerclassmen because we find out um with the like for instance the owls like the owls like where they sat this year by the fifth years like we don't know that probably
3: took place before the end of the tournament
2: like in May, do you think?
3: Yeah. Well the owls are usually the first week of June, so no, it's, I guess. Yeah, it just it
2: just seems like most of this stuff gets put off like at the end of book one when they're like, No more no exams need to be or was it yeah. book
3: two? Um all of the I exams book except
2: All the exams um, book were cancelled. And yeah. it's just like wow, everybody so like I always wonder what happens to the upperclassmen and lowerclassmen who aren't directly affected in the way that Harry is from being in his year. But in this case at least like Dermstrang and Bobotons are still here. So, yes, I think there would have been a presentation ceremony, and they their, um, you know, continued presence in the school would have had more of a point to it. Um, right now, at this point, they're just kind of staying in it to stay in it. Like, even the their headmaster is gone. Karkaroff left. Right. Hmm. Um, and so yet it, again it feels kind of weird that they're still here to, because there isn't, as we find out, a, a big ceremony, kind of seeing them off. Or, you know, I'm not even sure. I mean, Dumbledore kind of references them, in his speech, but there's no kind of nod or salute your foreign guests, you know, one last time. Um, yeah, you're but, getting
3: ahead of us, man. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You know uh, what I'm saying,
2: though. This ceremony really would have been so much more, and and that's what I'm trying to say, which relates directly to your point that you just brought up.
3: But there is this one really nice moment where Dumbledore does a, uh, you know, uh, a salute to ha- to, to Hagrid. To Cedric.
4: (laughs) That's the second movie. (laughs) Right. That's
3: the second movie. Right. There's no Hogwarts without you, Hagrid. Sorry. Slow clap. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But no, he says that, you know, Cedric was the person who exemplified many of the qualities that distinguish Hufflepuff. And he just raises a glass to him. And I love that everybody stands up, even the, like... Bitchy-ass Slytherins, excuse my language. <laughs> but, like, some of them are mean, okay? Some of them are mean. Um, I just thought it was a really nice moment. Well, that, that I thought
4: was interesting in that in the respect that the Slytherins participate, because then Dumbledore turns to Harry and kind of cheers to him as well. Yeah. And the Slytherins don't participate, <laughs> at least, you know, certain ones don't participate. Yeah. Um, so I, and I thought that was interesting, because I just couldn't imagine Malfoy saluting Cedric. So, I mean, and- I don't
3: know. He was rooting. I mean, he was rooting for Crumb, but I also think that, uh, you know, I think Malfoy can be a jerk, but I don't think that he would have rooted against Cedric. He had nothing against the kid, you know?
4: I don't know. I just, uh, I like, I, just considering how the Hufflepuffs are versus the, because, I, and I know we've kind of talked about this before, like the, is it really the Gryffindor versus Slytherin? Because the Hufflepuffs almost seem like the. Opposite of the Slytherins in a lot of ways, quality-wise.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. But yeah, I, I I personally was just surprised to think that the Slytherins, or at least some of the Slytherins that we know of, would
2: stand for Cedric. But well, this because is like I kind the of teacher, feel like if though, they this is the headmaster saying you have to stand up and do this, and notice how few of them salute Harry when he asks them. So that's the thing: is the first time they're like, "Yeah, we have to do this, whatever," because the professor commands it. What? But when he asks them to salute Harry right after. Harry notices that most of them don't at all and he's like mm-hmm. but what is this crap but they get away with it because Dumbledore is not looking at them like yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I, I think as as the fact that they salute Cedric we shouldn't make too much out of it because they are just doing what they're told but when you get to salute Harry which Dumbledore Dumbledore obviously backs Harry um, but they don't that's when they don't and that shows their true character yeah yeah, they're perhaps. like, well, "Well, we did it once. We don't have to do it again. <laughs> we don't have to do it again."
3: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that that all happens right after that moment when you know Dumbledore is like, Cedric Diggory was murdered by Lord Voldemort,
0: <laughs> and it's just
3: like, boom, giant bomb. And I was thinking, and I'm just pretty much bringing this up to play devil's advocate here because you know that's what we do on this show. What is <laughs> the reasoning behind? Telling them right now, right at this moment, beyond the fact of that they should know the truth. Um, why right now? Why this moment? Why at the feast? Is it necessary to kind of just be completely blunt and totally honest and put it all out there? Like, I'm curious if you guys have any.
1: more than once, actually. Do
6: I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car before my kids' PTA meeting.
6: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
6: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: You know, I'll you views on this. Uh, well, I would say that
4: it's characteristic of dumbledore to not kind of just beat around the bush with the issues that he he needs that he feels are important mm-hmm. um i don't really think there is a way to ease into saying that a set, that a student has been killed by the um, baddest guy ever yeah it, it's it's not really bad
3: boy i mean
4: perhaps amir since you're a writer would you have approached writing that differently, or do you think that that was the right choice based on how Rowling writes Dumbledore?
5: Uh, I think that like when I read that, it gave it gave me like chills because I was like it was a, it was a surprise. But I think that like when you look at Dumbledore's character, he doesn't want to be like he doesn't want I don't know he wants to tell the truth as much as he can because some like some things he obviously can't tell. Um, the students of Hogwarts, but, like, I don't think he wants to misguide them, or, like, because obviously they're going to be asking questions about how he died, so I think that he just wants to, like, put that out there.
4: Yeah. No, I'd agree with that, is that it's 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 Dumbledore kind of ensuring that he gets as much truth out there as possible, but also, and doesn't waste time. Uh, And also doesn't, I think, too, it's important that Dumbledore doesn't feel the need to sugarcoat things like this right. um, because that's what people like the ministry do or the Daily
0: Prophet.
2: I, I think it's so. it's part of, this has to be a situation that, that, that teachers feel what Dumbledore is going through because he knows that some of these kids are going home to families who, and parents who will never, ever, ever tell them uh, that Voldemort is presumed to have come back. Parents won't believe it. This is the last moment that he has control over what they hear and what they see and what they learn. And I think it's because of that that he says, well, he tries to prevent them from ever having to be in a situation at home where they're being kept in ignorance. Like, that's that's kind of the further point about it all is that some of these parents we see want to take their kids out of Hogwarts later, like because of Dumbledore and all that stuff that, that he's not being believed for. but. He just wants it to be known, even if their parents dismiss it, even if they become, you know, come to believe that he's crazy, he wants them to know it because he knows it to be true. And as his last second of influence over the entire school, you know, is, um, ticking away, he, decides that that is something that that needs to be told to them whether their parents are going to believe it whether they believe it for much longer he wants to have that effect he wants to make use of his his power in this moment just to be able to to inform them and and maybe it'll save lives
3: so he's doing it a little bit also like you said for the effect
2: yeah to make a um, dramatic
3: like I mean, he has a
2: whole speech planned you know it's like Mm -hmm. all about international cooperation but to me i'm like that falls on deaf ears like it, yeah, it's 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 kind of his point if you want to like analyze his speech about cooperating and all that stuff. But it, it's really I don't think anybody there is is getting that because everybody's still a little shell shocked over Cedric.
3: Right. Yeah, and that was actually my next thing that I wanted to bring up, beside the fact that Dumbledore's um, little speech to Harry basically made me tear up this time, um, because it's so genuine and so real, and I just love the amount of respect that he's showing to Harry there. It was just absolutely beautiful. But the parts where he mentions um, Bo Batten, which I still really hate, for the record, <laughs> and Durmstrang, um, about the whole like magical understanding, common interests, and whatever, and I'm wondering, like, does Dumbledore, because before it has been said that Voldemort's reign was basically really only in the UK, am I not? Mm-hmm. Am I correct in that? No, so what are. is he expecting from them?
4: I think that's just a kind of. Uh, an alliance that he's looking to make just you know yeah. just backup. like re- like uh, remember
3: the last year
4: yeah no it, it's 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 almost like kind of just like what dumbledore was saying to fudge like reach out to the giants get rid of the dementors um it's kind of another step in that is make friends with fo- make foreign relations um you know it's it's what it's what you know actual people do in war
3: and also uh, kind of like They went through this with them because they were there when Cedric died. So maybe this is him being like, hey, listen, you know, Mm -hmm. you're involved in this too now, whether you want to be or not.
4: Well, and I always thought it was funny that Rowling actually specifically defined later on that Voldemort's reign of terror was kind of confined to the UK. Because until she said it, I had always assumed that Voldemort was just kind of making a mess everywhere. Mm. Um not maybe perhaps overseas, but I thought he was going to greater Europe. But she said that that was his...
3: I get it. Yeah,
4: okay. yeah, exactly. And I, I thought that that's what he was doing during the books, but actually she said later on that that was his eventual goal, was he was going to take over the UK first,
2: then Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so that's, I, that's just it, though. They, the, the implication is that he didn't stop it with the UK because he found a nice chunk of land, and he was like, this is good enough for me. Um, yeah. He was stopped before he could proceed, and... So the idea, then, is he's going to want even more power than he had before, and we have to do everything we can to stop that, so they want to keep him contained. So making friends with these other nations will allow them to maybe seal their borders, kind of keep Voldemort's influence and power contained. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we know that um Grindelwald, obviously... Was uh, originally not from the UK. A foreign yeah, well,
2: threat. like he also has a lot of ties because he was defeated in '42, so you immediately think World War II. Yeah, um, right. that's Like true. a wizarding yeah. end of World War II, which I don't think was ever really satisfied in the books, um, in favor of other plot lines.
3: Well, you know, it has been talked about many a times that that war will be included in Fantastic Beasts, the movie.
6: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
3: Seeing as it's only twenty years after the beginning of when it supposedly starts, yeah. So you know, there's that. Joe, wink, wink, hint, hint. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this little bit at Hogwarts, kind of, or at the leaving fees, ends up with again, like, there's so many really good quotes in this chapter, and ones that I think were translated mm-hmm. to the movie. But I mean, the movie is in another week or two, so we'll talk about that. But, um. <laughs>
4: Yes, we will. <laughs> I just want to read
3: it because it's. I really like the quote. So, it says, Remember Cedric. Remember if the time should come when you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy. Remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of Lord Voldemort. Remember Cedric Diggory. It's just like a very like... I don't know. It's a good moment.
2: I don't think there's anything disingenuous with what Dumbledore is saying, you know, some would say he's using he's using the death of Cedric to promote his belief that Lord Voldemort has returned. But I mean, if you just take Dumbledore at face value and say that this is a guy who knows Lord Voldemort has returned, if you can agree that Lord Voldemort has returned, this is a very effective statement. Mm -hmm. And it It has everything to do with innocent people are dying, and this is the reality that we live in. Oh, yeah. No, I think
4: we know that Dumbledore. One of his top priorities is the safety of his students at his school, um, and that something like this is just a, such a horrendous thing to him. Um, not only that this kind of happened under his watch, but also that Voldemort was the one to commit it, oh, um, God. I know. and that and that it was, and that Cedric really wasn't. You know, he had no defense. So it, yeah, no, I think everything Dumbledore is saying is no. I don't think he's trying to you Cedric I think he is giving as much respect to Cedric as he is alerting the public as to what has happened
3: yeah so of course now we head back up to um, I guess Hogsmeade Station or I guess they're outside of Hogwarts waiting for the carriages or whatever and Harry is lamenting over the fact that he has to go back to Pirate drive and I just kind of laughed like if you don't want to go back there don't think about it Whatever. it's Harry he's emo Anyway, which is okay. I'm going to defend the crap because out of Emo love, in the next book.
2: Yes. He talk- gonna- oh, you better. Because he talks about the flowers. He's like, I bet Privet Drive at this time is got some nice flower Hot beds going. Hot and leafy <laughs>
3: and its flower bed's a riot of color. Yeah. I know, it's beautiful. And then he's like, oh, this sucks. I'm in a flower bed. <laughs> Everything sucks. But yeah. it's okay. Like He just saw Cedric die, so it's cool. I mean, it's all right. You can be. Quick turnaround. Like I said, I'm going to defend the crap out of his emotions in the next book. You <laughs> better. You'll see it. Anyway, so this next scene, the next page or two, is kind of like the wrap-up of the characters for this book. So we see Floor one more time, and we see Chrome one more time, and there's some great moments um, with like, oh, sure. your English is very good already, and the, can I have your autograph? You know. It's yeah, just-
4: I, I love when Harry's like, asks crumb do you have a new headmaster yet and crumb's like "Mm, i don't know yeah and (laughs) i
3: was gonna point that out because like like really harry do you really think like within a day they're gonna have a new headmaster yeah i don't know (laughs) uh my name's harry potter well
2: i just think they should have a second in charge hogwarts does yeah it's kind of
4: unfortunate that the 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 students are just like so guess we got to well, row our own way home, then. and I, it
3: made <laughs> me wonder about what's happening back at Durmstrang. Maybe whoever is the second in command is in, you know, at Durmstrang command. with his students. Yeah. But like these twelve students or whatever are, there's, you they're know, kind of up the creek without seat. a paddle. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. no. Well, well, we find out that they didn't row over the first time. So, that's they, right. Yeah. Right. They did. The, they did all the work the first time, so they, it's not like they're missing. He stayed eye. in
3: his cabin and let them do the work.
2: Well, and. <laughs> And from what we've learned recently
4: on Pottermore, as little as it was about Durmstrang, um, we do know that it is an extremely corrupt school around this time. Mm, Um, So. Who knows, Karkaroff may not have had a second in charge just because he didn't like the thought of somebody usurping him in any <laughs> way, students shape, or are form. are ruling
2: themselves.
4: I mean, it's been implied that previous headmasters have actually killed people to get their position at the wow. term strength. Oh that, so That's true. It, <laughs> it's a pretty extreme place. So, yeah, I, 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 it, it kind of makes sense in light of the new information she's given us. Right. Thanks, Joe. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay,
3: so then here we go. We get... um. Um, the first actual mention where it specifically says horseless carriages. Yep, hmm. yep. We're not going to touch that yet. We'll get there in a minute. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead and talk about it. I know you wanted to talk about it, Eric. So
2: yes. So let's let's start with the quote from the book, can we?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, please.
2: Okay, who's got it? Oh. <laughs> uh, which which
3: quote do you want?
2: It's it's the one where the horseless carriages are mentioned. It's okay, right before so. that. He's finishing up a conversation. I think it's Ron.
3: No, with Crum. So this is right before it, it says Crumb had already started walking away when Ron burst out, can I have your autograph? And then it says, Hermione turned away, smiling at the horseless carriages that were now trundling towards them up the drive as Crumb, looking surprised but gratified, signed a fragment of parchment for Ron.
2: So Harry's watching, this is kind of from his perspective, even though it's always kind of third-person omniscient, it's from Harry's perspective that he's watching and Hermione's watching Ron... um you know, get his autograph from Crumb mm-hmm. and Hermione looks away just as the horseless carriages, Harry is noticing the horseless carriages coming up the things. This shows that to Harry, they are still horseless carriages at the end of book four after Cedric has been killed. So the obvious question is, well, mm-hmm. why did she wait until book five to introduce Thestrals? because the big, we know from interviews and all that, um that she's the the reason that it's a big deal um to see the thestrals is because you have to see death and clearly he'd already done that this time so is this a book mistake
3: no because she has said and i firmly believe this because of the evidence i pointed out earlier in the chapter that the death really has to sink in and you have to accept it and harry was too scattered at this moment and too i don't know too Mm -mm, I'm not sure what the word is I'm trying to say just tutu he was just (laughs) tutu
2: there would be evidence in the text to support your claim scattered is a word that is absolutely used
3: scattered Um,
2: and who am I to argue with JK Rowling about it sinking in but at what point has death sunk in really I mean you can argue that there's really not even that much time for Harry to reflect on Cedric's death in the arc- a coming right. months. Right, which I, is I mean, why it, all it, those
3: months alone over the summer are perfect time for him to reflect.
2: I don't think he's reflecting. He's too busy being angry.
3: Oh my god, he's bored out of his mind. He's yeah, like laying but, in flower beds and stuff. He's yeah, reflecting. but at what point
2: does, does death really sink into somebody where they begin seeing the death? Te- and what kind of a stupid superpower is that for Thestrals anyway?
3: His first dirty dream about Cedric is when it sunk in. No, I'm just kidding. Like, like <laughs> he's he's dreaming about Cedric. He's dreaming about that night. He's obviously internally processing it, and that's when it happens. It has to happen over the summer. I but I
4: want just- to I want to ask Amir about this actually because uh, I wanted uh, Amir as a writer. I wanted to ask. Do you think that this was an oopsies on Rowling's part, or do you think that she genuinely? Didn't mean for Harry to to see the Thestrals yet in canon, or do you think that she did that because it wasn't the right time to reveal the Thestrals?
5: No, I think it's that she didn't want to reveal them yet, or um, I think the point is like over the summer he has time to let it like sink in, and I know like uh I don't know, like I think that she didn't want to introduce them and then br- like bring that up before.
1: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah. Before yeah. before, before the- transition. But then why bring that? Yeah. Didn't, she didn't have to mention them at all. She could Wait, be like- but,
1: but that's my point.
3: If it wasn't intentional, she wouldn't have said horseless carriages. She would have just said the trolleys or the carriages like she did earlier in the chapter. Mm -hmm. Horseless was super, 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 super intentional.
2: There's almost no point, though, at the end of the book, after what Harry has witnessed, in saying that he's not completely as uh, bad in it as he could be. You know? He's not completely traumatized yet. He's not been traumatized enough to see the Thestrals. Like...
3: No, I think that she's just trying to convey the fact that this was a huge deal. Not only did he see Cedric die, he saw Voldemort come back to life, he saw Wormtail cut his hand off, he was, lit his wrist open. Like, all these death theaters were there. It wasn't just the one thing. Well,
2: any of that should have triggered the Thestrals.
1: Well, no, I, no. I think,
2: I think this is,
4: the way that you have to explain it is kind of a mix of all the things that I mentioned is, is that one, it, it, I do think narratively, it was not the right time to introduce the Thestrals, especially because of their significance to Luna.
3: Right, I do um, agree with that.
4: That would have been a mistake narratively, um, but I do think the way that you have to explain it away and that kind of rolling has is that it has that it is it is that Harry hasn't fully it hasn't quote sunk in Harry hasn't fully perceived. Because, and I think you, I think I've seen this more through this read-through than any other, is these last two chapters, the narration really pushes the importance, and Dumbledore really notes this importance most of all, that Harry has to have a full kind of catharsis that he goes through about Cedric's death before he can really fully process it and move on from it and you, learn from it. You know, and perhaps- I don't think Harry's there yet. I think that's what book five really is for, in yes. a way. Yes. Is is to okay, get through. Okay, perhaps that.
2: we'll get more on the thestrals in book five. But why? I mean, I it doesn't sit well with me how the thestrals are these ugly demon like creatures. Um,
3: but they're not. They're so cute.
2: No, they're not. The movie goes <laughs> goes very far to show how cute they are. I, I will agree with mm. that. But in the well, that's books, you get like a little baby. In the books, thestral. they're terrifying. You're not supposed to want to be able to see a thestral. You're sad you did. They're like death omens. Luna could see them ever since n- her mother died.
3: Oh, I don't see them as death omens at they're all. They're
2: very much death—a creature that can only be seen after you've seen death and had it sink in. It's full that's, effect. That's sinking. not
3: a death omen.
2: That's it. They—they're not good. They're not light creatures. They were—they're not light aligned.
4: You can just. Well, no. The, I think the interesting thing about thestrals is that because of their appearance. And the movie really does kind of take that a little farther because of the way that they had to introduce Luna and bond her to Harry in the film versus the book. But uh, I think the Thestrals, that's the point of the Thestrals, is they are not what they appear to be. Exactly! Um, And so, and and the the interesting thing about it, uh, the interesting thing to note about the Thestrals in between books four and five, and I only realized this recently because of remembering where this book was published but um fantastic beasts and where to find them hints at them um they're on the very last page under winged horses um and they're they're it's just they're just name dropped it literally just says the rare thestral black possessed of the power of invisibility and considered unlucky by many wizards um and she even hints at the the idea that these aren't necessarily unlucky creatures but wizards misperceive them and this is certainly not the first instance where we get imagery uh, that is not really what it actually is.
3: Yeah, and we'll have so much time to talk about that in the next book. But um. yeah,
4: but I, I think I think as far as this particular instance goes, uh, the best explanation is is that book five is meant to be the place where Harry fully processes Cedric's death, and he's not finished
2: yet. I, um, I yeah, um, with that part
3: of. Eric's journey. not buying it.
2: No, I buy it a hundred percent. That he, I just don't think they should have been brought up in this book at all. I, I think. But they I aren't. Think Harry, I think Harry should have been able to see the Thestrals <laughs> if they came up to him. And it I believe it was a book mistake that was later properly, you know, mm. answered by Just Jacob too Rowan. smart for it, that. It never should have. No, it absolutely should. Because you can't quantify when's the minute that you would start seeing a Thestral. Really, when when is that one minute where when all you, of a sudden you When you
3: when you accept them? it emotionally. There's
2: no one minute that takes months, years, weeks. You know, months, welcome weeks, to <laughs>
3: book five.
2: <laughs> it just doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't do it for me that some people. If, if you put a hundred people in the room and kill somebody in front of all of them, th- they'll all be able to see it. Thestral at a different time. Right. Walking mm-hmm. away. Right. Because they'll all process it differently at right. a different yeah. moments.
5: Yeah, I agree.
3: Yeah. Right. That's. Th- I agree with that.
4: <laughs> I, I, yeah, that, the funny thing is I'm not getting why you were upset with the book in that way. Like, what? I, what is it that what's that's wrong to you about how it worked? Is that you
2: still think the Thestrals should have shown up in this book, but not been no, addressed? No, no, no. Okay, let, let's talk about the story. It makes sense that the Thestrals aren't introduced into book five. Yes. They tie in with Luna, and obviously there's a lot more space at the beginning of the next book than there is in the end of this book. Yeah. Um, so I think the Thestrals being introduced in book five have their rightful place in book five, especially because mm-hmm. they're part of the vehicle that takes you to the, you know, the, the ministry of the climax. Um, they're super all about book five, but the carriages shouldn't be mentioned at all in, at the end of book four, because I think that Harry should be able to see the Thestrals right now. It's, it's a huge mistake that he hasn't, that he can't. Well,
4: and I mean, even if she hadn't mentioned them, people would ask that question anyway, don't you think? It's like if she hadn't even mentioned the horseless carriages, people would still be like, Harry should have seen the Thestrals by this point because the thing is the, it's
0: the first time Harry's
2: she could have had him walking down or maybe he was just in a daze that he didn't look, you know. He I don't daze. know,
4: I, I I do think that Kat's right that it's it's this the fact that he does see it and as far as like how the story ended up panning out the way she wrote it, is important as far as showing how developed his feelings are on the death um, in this particular book versus order. So, but I don't know. That's, that's a tough one since she, she, as you said, Eric, she hasn't and it's almost impossible to quantify when you process it, that immediate moment. So,
3: so after Harry doesn't see the Thestrals, um,
6: we move <laughs> on to
3: the Hogwarts Express <laughs> and we are headed back to Muggle London much to Harry's dismay. Um, and it mentions that Hedwig is dozing with her head under her wing and Pigwigin is there. And why are the owls on the train? They can fly. <laughs> <laughs> and is there like, and then I started, like, I, Noah got in my head a little bit. Is there like some sort of magical barrier that would keep them from getting back to Muggle London? Since they're like, do they, do you have to enter it on the Hogwarts Express? Like, no. if you're a magical owl coming from Hogwarts? I don't know.
2: No cuz you can send an owl to London any day of the right. week. Right.
3: Right. So why are they on the train? Just let them fly. They're birds. If they're going to
2: fly like hundreds of miles. Like not all the owls could do that. Um the pigwidgeon certainly couldn't make the journey, so pigwidgeon no. has to be allowed.
3: I mean, I uh, suppose.
2: I feel like if you were if Harry turned to Hedwig and said, "Fly home," like she would just give
4: him those reproachful eyes she always <laughs> does when she's <laughs> Yeah. So like be, Okay,
1: fine. They I, I
2: they should be able to accompany the their owners at all times.
1: Fine. Yeah, maybe, no, maybe I, I,
2: more. Maybe students care about their pets more than Harry cares about Hedwig. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Well, I'll also
4: imagine if, like, a huge flock of pet owls came <laughs> flying <Yeah. laughs>
3: I guess I wasn't imagining it like that. I was just thinking, like, so did they have to, like, corral the owls back into the Owlery and then be like, okay, come sit in your cage for four days because I don't want you to leave the grounds again in case we have to get on the Hogwarts Express before you come back? Like- it's, pick,
2: it's pick up your owl from the Owlery or it'll become a, a, a school-owned owl. Oh, is that how it works?
3: Okay. You're going to yeah. donate the owl? Okay, fine. I
2: think, well, and, you know, the thing that
4: we I, – I, I found especially when you kind of read the behind-the-scenes stuff about how the owls were dealt with in the films.
3: They don't
4: the owls you know owls are not like rolling rights them at all um, they're, they're smart but they're they're one of the most they're one of the hardest animals to train um, and so you know this kind of I, I think the idea that the, the students have to go get their animals is kind of because wizards just have magical bonds with their pets kind of like you know I think we had talked about that before but kind of like the demons in um, his yeah, dark materials
3: that's true, true, true there's true. kind of
4: unspoken bonds between them that work that way
3: which, I mean, should just tell them, never mind, I'll drop it. Okay, so <laughs> moving on, we get to the big reveal of Rita Skeeter. Oh, my God, she's an unregistered animagus, Animagus. animagus, however you say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of pronunciation issues going on today. Anyway, so Hermione says that, um, you know, she figured it out because they were talking about the bugging. And he's like, wait, 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 not electronic bugs. But, you know, she's an unregistered. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So she says that Victor pulled a beetle from her hair after the second task. And how did he not crush her? <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of, like, is wait a minute. He's like this big, burly, like, that's like Quidditch saying, why player. did he
2: pull her hair out? <laughs> when he her, I mean, he, when he probably
3: did. Hair. He like probably did pull a hair or two out.
2: Well, not
4: to go too deep into it, but going Come back on. to perhaps what we said about thestrals and not, you know, not being what they seem, we find out that Victor's not as burly and you know tough as he seems. I I always pictured him like very delicately pulling it out of Hermione's hair yeah. and then kind of just letting it fly away. So
2: I imagine that he, he just probably just
3: just maybe in it. an alternate universe he crushed her.
2: Beatles are are pretty. Um, I don't know. I th- I'm thinking of certain bugs. Certain bugs have really hard shells, though.
3: Well, they have the exoskeleton, yeah. right? Beetles.
2: Right, exoskeleton. So it's on the outside. Yeah. Um, all right. But uh, it could be. I mean, it'd be, she could be a titanium beetle.
3: Uh, maybe. <laughs> 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 but so it goes on, and they, you know, talk about all the times that they found beetles, and then they start talking about how Malfoy knew that she was an animagus, animagus, animagi, because um, he was talking to her in his hand, and. Do you think that if this got out, if Hermione decided to reveal it, that Malfoy could be convicted for obstructing justice? Yeah. Yeah. Azkaban, you think? I mean, if you no. if you
2: take any one of the ridiculous things that Harry is taken to court for or um But that's cuz you know, he's
3: Harry Potter.
2: gotten yeah. in trouble for. But no, if you take them and say this isn't just um the opposite of favoritism, uh if you were to hold Malfoy you know, accountable by the same standards. Yes, uh, aiding and abetting a um you know a, a, a person who has broken the law uh is a punishable crime.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that.
4: I don't know, just because Malfoy is a minor, right, in the Wizarding
2: world. Well, and his father would hear about this, and his father. Yeah, would. <laughs> yes, he would. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> but, but really, all the the illegal part of it is that Rita hasn't announced her. She hasn't registered. That's right. the illegal part. Um, right. So I, but but it, it's kind of been key to her story writing this entire year and certainly in years previous, um that's why nobody could figure out quite how she was doing it. And so it's nice to hear that this has like been revealed and it's exciting that Hermione has um captured her. But I keep thinking back to last week's podcast question and I at first I thought it had been a month already in the jar, and I just think that there's a lot of missed opportunity <coughs> Hermione capturing Rita and 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 planning to not release her for like an entire year um I think it's a lot of missed opportunities because this is the time when the wizarding public needs to be informed about Voldemort this is the time when she should be blackmailing Rita immediately well and
3: and speaking of that Hermione keeping her in the jar for however long it was like this is one of those moments where we say holy crap Hermione is scary like the fact that she yes. has a, her in a jar with an unbreakable charm on it, like lid closed, like
2: is there air? Like oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure that there is, air but like Hermione
3: too. Granger, you scary girl, like <laughs> damn.
2: Hell hath no fury.
3: She is a reporter napper. She's like a, just a mean
2: Everybody. girl. Well, I think <laughs> well, I think it is said in the text that she'll let her out when they get to London, but yeah, she
3: does say she's that. She's
2: far but from being dumb with her, and so I think so much more could be done. Back to my point, like with. Yeah. Voldemort situation. But right now, I think Hermione is scorned from all the stuff that's happened. And mm-hmm. she's just so, this is the know-it-all side of Hermione. She's, she's feeling a lot of pride for having uncovered this, this secret and this mystery. This um, is her you, Gryffindor moment. You never see her gloating over, uh, discovering pipes, you know, in the, in year two with, with the bass because she gets petrified and that shuts her up pretty good. But I imagine <laughs> it would have been the same thing um she is feeling very triumphant right now right and well agree. like you said Eric the, I always thought this too is uh,
4: it's almost like as 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 scary as it is what Hermione seems has done to Rita um I almost feel like she's being pretty nice about it actually um like you said it's it's like she's like oh I'll I'll put her in the jaw, then I'll let her out in London and then I told I told her you don't
2: write for a year, you'll be in trouble, and then maybe that'll change her. And
4: I was like, "Oh, Hermione, you know better to know that like a no. year of her not writing will not change Rita Skeeter." Um, I do think that's that's funny that she actually was under the impression that a year without her quill could actually make Rita change. It
3: is a little naive, isn't it?
4: I felt yeah, that that was unusually naive for Hermione mm-hmm. in this situation and and you know of course we do see that she does take advantage of this situation later and definitely at a very opportune moment um but like you said eric i do wonder if it wouldn't have been wiser
2: for her mining to perhaps bank on this and get a little more out of it
1: Mm -hmm.
2: well you're seeing like she's so astute at the beginning of next year with umbridge's speech and she's like the ministry is interfering in hogwarts she like has her finger on exactly what's happening, and it just this would have been a better opportunity for Hermione, I think. If yeah, you at least read it. yeah,
3: but then we wouldn't get that lovely article in the next one. Whatever, we're jumping it's ahead. It's true,
2: it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, moving on here, so Draco comes in and gets his butt kicked because he's kind of a d bag. Um, not even going <laughs> to talk about it because it's like pointless. It's Draco, anyway. So then, um, Fred and George come in after they have kicked the butt of. Draco, Goyle, and Crab. And they asked them, well, who are you blackmailing? And they revealed that it was Ludo Bagman because of the bet that they put on the Quidditch World Cup. And it's revealed, you know, that they, he paid them in Leprechaun Gold, that he's been ignoring their emails, dodging them.
4: In their emails?
6: emails? Oh, I said emails! <laughs>
2: oh.
3: I, look, I actually wrote emails in the
2: doc. <laughs> he's been ignoring their emails. this proves that fred and george are time travelers
0: this Uh uh,
2: which is how they figured out the that crumb would catch the snitch anyway (laughs)
5: oh oh it's all
3: revealed that's not answered
2: at all they they have this huge reveal about ludo bagman and it's great and all but nobody presses the issue as to how the heck they knew that absurd result
3: it's true. Would occur. It's because he was ignoring their emails. But anyway, so then he goes on they go on to say that he refused because they're too young to gamble. And I was like, You're a
2: I could get you in trouble with your mother.
3: Right. Jerk with a capital other word. Um okay. <laughs> so and then they say that, you know, he actually was trying to make it back by betting against Harry, um, against the goblins, uh, for the Tri Wizard tournament and I don't know, It's just kind of a jerk. And then I thought to myself, you know that moment in the movie, I think it's movie five, Mm -hmm. when Harry gets kicked out of Hogwarts and Vernon is like, justice!
4: Oh. I don't know,
3: I pictured that in that moment and and then had a little cry over Richard Griffiths and then
4: moved on. (laughs) You had a lot of feels. I did have a lot of (laughs) feels in that moment. Well, and you know the thing that I like about, like, the the justice bit is 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 quite satisfying, especially because we haven't gotten a lot of that in this book.
0: Um,
4: this is a nice chapter for justice in a few ways, but I, I do also like kind of the 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 little hint drops about how goblin culture works, mm, yep. because it's it's a nice little bit that Ludo actually, you know, going by his standard, he won the bet with the goblins because Harry won, but then the goblins are like, "No, you bet that he'd win straight out," but Cedric tied with him. So, give us Sorry. our money,
6: <laughs>
4: and we're of course we're gonna see so many little technicalities like that in Deathly Hallows, um, from the goblins. So it's it's really well placed that she puts this here now uh-huh. so early. This is an early one on that front in the, the goblins' tactics. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's another one of those things where it, it blows me away because it's it's like. It's one of those rolling moments where it's like, she didn't have to do that, but she did. And it it fleshes out the story, it fleshes out the world, and it does foretell things. It's just so carefully planned.
3: Yeah, it is. So um, after this little bit, everybody's exiting the Hogwarts Express because they're at King's Cross, and Harry stays back. He's like, hey, friend George, hold up. He's like, here, I'm going to give you all my money because I'm kind of awesome. <laughs> um, and they're like no no I can't take this and he's like come on take it like we're gonna need a laugh so make us laugh because we love you guys that was um,
2: great reasoning for although him. he
3: does have one incredibly odd request which is buy Ron new dress robes like okay how did that scene go okay how did the buying of the dress robes go down oh. I want <laughs> to see this happen like they friend know. George are like hey man let's go shopping and they're like <laughs> Let's buy you some new dress robes, and Ron's like, "What? Uh, I don't know." I
2: imagine a montage to uh, put on uh, to the to the the music of uh, tacos, putting on the Ritz, and they're just waltzing around all the all the the high like uh, Fifth Avenue shops uh, in, in Diagon Alley. I, I imagine it would be like Fifth Alley or something. Now I just it
3: just made me think about Pretty Woman. Yeah. When like and they're like taunting Ron with like the dress robes and she, he like goes to touch him and they slap his hand. I don't
2: know. Yeah, but this is this is something where Harry feels that Fred and George should be closer to Ron. Yeah. This is why is he says tell him it's from you because they they really give Ron a lot of crap and 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 Harry almost like it's almost Harry's way of make if give well giving money to his friend too because he didn't give it to Ron, he gave it to Fred and George and so Ron is kind of getting gypped here in a way. I mean, it's it's going to the Weasley family, but I thought it was important that Harry, you know, make sure that Ron at least gets something out of the, the fact that he won. It's almost like as a thank you for being his closest friend. He's like, right. give Ron new dress robes. He doesn't deserve to be, you know, uh, uh, continually embarrassed. Not that there are many opportunities to wear dress robes coming up.
3: Right, which you know, is why I found it odd. But you're, is, I like your reasoning.
2: Well, I was going to say, you know, with that, is it would
4: it be fair to say that this is perhaps the chapter where because i i know we said this with with hagrid and with dumbledore is this perhaps one of the chapters where everybody is at their best just like at their best humanity at their best kindness i think it's
3: because everybody just knows that uh, something awful just went down and yeah i tend to think well i know it i know it's a fact that after events you know tragic events people are nicer to each other
1: mhm and because it just-
3: you
4: know. This, I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out, both of you, because uh, you know that that gesture on Harry's part is really, it, it, it's it's one of those. Just like we said with Hagrid, where it's like we harp on Hagrid's bad qualities, but you know he really is great at heart. Um, we we do also frequently harp on Harry's constant stupidity Mm. um but this particular moment is one of those moments where it's just like that's the harry potter we know and love (laughs) the one who goes the extra mile doesn't just give fred and george the money but also says also look out for my best friend who is also your brother and go have some brother time with him yeah (laughs) he's a very perceptive young man that harry potter
3: i mean sometimes well, you know, in
4: human <laughs> matter, in in, right. in sure. matters of the heart. <laughs> sure, sure,
3: sure. Um, so then there's this cute moment. We're on the very last chapter. I mean the chapter, the very last page of the book. And it's when they're saying goodbye. And uh, Hermione says, bye, Harry. And then it goes on to say she did something that she had never done before and kissed him on the cheek. And I thought, oh, our little, our little Hermione's growing up, and it's obviously because she's so much more comfortable with herself after she's been snogging Victor for the year. So,
2: oh yeah, kissing is old yeah. hat.
3: Yeah, it is to her now. I just thought it was, it was a nice, like, I don't know, gesture. I know harmony shippers out there. I'm sorry, never going to happen. Yeah. But you know, no, but anyway. I think you're no. right though, Cat. It
2: is, it is due to this background stuff that's been happening. Yeah, with her, with her character,
3: she's grown up a lot this year, I think, um, mm. emotionally.
4: Meanwhile Ron's like in the background like leaning his cheek forward like kiss <laughs> kiss goodbye.
3: Right. Kiss goodbye. My <laughs> <laughs> One for me. Yeah. Um and so then the book ends um with this lovely quote. Um it says there was no point worrying yet he told himself as he got into the back of the Dursley's car as Hagrid had said what would come would come and he would have to meet it when it did.
5: I thought that was like a really good ending. Yeah. Yeah. Great, no. Yeah.
4: Right. Would I? I don't really know how better to, that you could end this. Mm-hmm. I and, and it's it's kind of funny because you know the there's kind of a note of like you know look at all you've done this year, Harry, and what you've been through, and you know yet again it's like the Dursleys won't care. <laughs> They're just sad that yeah. I'm not dead. Um, but it's like there's nothing. There's nothing more she could say. I mean. Especially with how much is going to be revealed soon enough. this, this, And this is what we're left with for how many years before we got Order? You know? Um, Was it two or three?
3: Three?
4: Yeah. Amir, you didn't have to experience that gap. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lucky you.
3: <laughs> it's funny because Order, I mean Order, Goblet is the first book that I read timely. I read the first three and then I read Goblet, so... Right off the bat, I had this long wait, and I was like, ugh. I was really frustrated. Mm. I think I read the Mm -hmm. books about seven or ten times in that gap. Wow. So, I, I read them just kind of nonstop, so.
4: But with that, that is the conclusion of Goblet of Fire, you guys. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Can I just say, even even though there's a lot of misery and, and somebody's just died and it's still kind of walking on eggshells, it's it's just so, guys, there is this r- remarkable, triumphant fanfare music that plays when Jim Dale finishes an epic. And uh, it, it really just changed my whole mood on the matter for the positive. <laughs> Good. Well,
3: I hope that yeah. the music played at the end of our discussion did that for everybody listening.
2: And now let's talk about death again. Yay oh. death. I'm
3: <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Those are words okay. I've never said in succession before. Yeah. <laughs> and will never
2: again. Yay death. Hmm. I bet George R. Martin says that a lot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Valid point. I we, can his, him, I we
2: can hear him. We can hear him here in Albuquerque. Uh as you may have heard before, uh, we got into a little discussion about the Thestrals. Um and whether or not it was a book mistake, our podcast question of the week comes directly from that discussion. It is as follows. In this last chapter, Harry peripherally notices the horseless carriages coming towards the students. Keeping in mind Joe's own words on the matter, for which we will provide a link, do you agree or disagree that Harry should have been ready to see the Thestrals at the end of this book? Hasn't Harry been through enough and come to enough of a realization of what has happened for the Thestrals to be visible to him now? Or, if Cedric's death needs more time to sink in, at what point precisely would this have occurred for Harry? And please submit your answers to this burning question via the Alohomora website. On our main page we have a post. Which will go up called Podcast Question of the Week, episode you know, seventy
3: five. Which is funny because I don't think we've ever had a question of the week that bridges the two books as well as this one.
2: Well, it's and no and no chapter can really have a question that does that right. unless it's the last chapter of a book.
3: Well well right. Well obviously that's what yeah, I mean. So, Usually so it like closes out the book.
2: Hmm. Yeah, this but I, I think, we'll... think we should be looking ahead and, and the book yeah. The book is such, is the longest book that I think we can afford to have some of the discussion for it now instead of when we get into it. Um, No,
3: man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna juice that book. Milk the juice. Milk the juice. Milk the juice. Milk the book. Every
2: episode in book five. I mean,
3: if I could be, I would be.
2: Um, Uh, just saying. But yes, please send in your responses. We look forward to recapping these. What episode will these be recapped on?
4: Oh, these are going to be recapped on our big book wrap episode. It's time to tie up Goblet of Fire, everything we've learned um, from this book and our reflections on it. But uh, we have a special announcement for that episode. We have a very special guest. Kat, can I tell him who the special guest is? Is that okay?
3: Are we telling him? Yeah, sure.
4: (laughs) And in a drum roll, you guys. Kazu Kibuishi will be joining us for the international cover discussion. We always discuss the covers from all over the world of the Harry Potter books after we finish an episode. This will be the first time I get to be on that. But more importantly, uh, Kazu will be here. Uh, And for those of
3: them listening who don't know who he is?
4: Yes, the the illustrator of the new American editions of Harry Potter. uh, The paperback re-release that just came out um, with all the beautiful new covers So And Kazu, of course, also does um, graphic novels of his own as well. He does. And as a follow-up to that, uh, we all hope that you can join us for our movie discussion episode, which will be taking place Saturday, March 29th, at 10 a.m. Eastern. You must have your own copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire on DVD or Blu-ray, if you've upgraded, um, because we cannot actually show the film. But uh, we will be watching it together via chat. Afterwards, we will be having a live show, uh, and we do have a special guest who may have participated in the Harry Potter film series, uh, who will be joining us at some point during the film viewing, so we want to make sure, and all as many of you can, join us for that, please.
3: Yeah, it's always a good time, and, um, you know, as Michael teased, there may or may not be a, you know, a special guest, you know, maybe. It's me,
2: guys. I'm sorry. I couldn't keep this secret longer.
3: Uh Eric! <laughs> Damn it. You spoil everything.
2: <laughs> You've all been
4: waiting to watch the Dumbledore rage moment with us. Yes.
3: <laughs> We've talked about it too many times.
4: <laughs> so you must join us Saturday, March 29th, 10 a.m. Eastern time.
3: Amir, will you be there?
5: Yeah, I will. Excellent.
3: Um, and Amir, we do really want to thank you for coming on this episode with us. The last chapter of Goblet of Fire. Um, you did great. I hope you had fun.
5: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And um and, remind and, everyone where they can get your book again. Yeah.
5: Um, you can go on EwaldSeries.com. dot com. That's E W A L D series dot com or amir Idris.com.
3: You want to spell that for them too?
5: Sure, yeah. A M E E R I D R E I S dot com.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks.
4: And he has had reviews that have been favorably compared that have favorably compared his book to Harry Potter. There you go. So you will probably enjoy it, listeners. You win at life,
3: Amir. <laughs> it's very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> um,
2: and to find out how you can be on the show, faithful listener, you must head over to our website, alohomora.muggleNut.com. Check out the Be on the Show page. And there's a note here promoting Macintosh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> we get paid could, for that uh, eric say the name i'm just kidding i do we not
2: don't. know who put this in here but apparently if you have a set of apple headphones you're all set no fancy <laughs> equipment needed i I don't, I don't i
3: think we're just saying that you don't need to have a special microphone or anything just if you have a microphone and a headset or a headphones you're good
2: hey so. i hate to jump ahead here a little bit but uh, honestly if you, you guys need any practice uh you can submit your audio booths and see if everything works through that um.
3: right and that's over at alohomora.mugglenet.com, right right and much like that audio booth if you want to get in contact with us um anytime really you can find us on twitter at alohomoramn. mn Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore. Tumblr at um, MN Alohomora Podcast at our phone number, which is 206-GO-ALBUS. That is also going to be the phone number for the live show. So put that in your phones. 206-462-5287. Um, in the meantime, subscribe and leave us a uh, review on iTunes. And don't forget to follow us on Snapchat because, you know, there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming up. So we are at MN underscore alohamora.
4: And while we're waiting for the Hogwarts Express To pick us up from Hogsmeade Station We need to visit the gift shop Uh, And Alohomora Has plenty of of items for your needs, including t-shirts, short and long sleeve as the weather changes across the country, uh, tote bags, sweatshirts, flip-flops, water bottles, travel mugs, and more coming soon. Definitely going to need those travel mugs on the Hogwarts Express. We have over 80 products to choose from, as well as ringtones that are free and available on the website, because now that we are exiting Hogwarts, your phones will now work.
3: Oh, and I know what I wanted to tell everybody. The forums for Order of the Phoenix... They're now open, so go over, start submitting your topics, and that's it.
4: Yeah. Thestrals, 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 Thestrals,
2: Thestrals. I, I, you know, I just <laughs> thought of a perfect t-shirt, guys. How about this? I'm with Thestral. It's a blank t-shirt. <laughs> it just says, I'm with Thestral, and there's nothing. Or or world's cutest Thestral, and then it, it's Oh also- my god!
3: I do <laughs> like that! And then there's no picture is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, there's no picture. There's like supposed to be, have it be like a picture frame or, you know, something, and then nothing's
3: there. (laughs) Um, That is pretty funny.
2: But of course we have the Alohomora application. It's another way uh, to keep in touch and to be interactive and to see some more content from us that we put out. It is available seemingly worldwide. Prices vary for your Apple OS and Android devices. On that app, you can find transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and even more special content slash Easter eggs that we provide on a weekly basis along with our shows. Um, so just search for the application and there's more information on where you can find that on the Alohomora website. Excuse me. Uh, well guys, uh, thank you for listening. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Michael Harley.
3: And I'm Kat Miller. Thank you for listening to episode 75 of Alohimora.
4: Open the Dumbledore.
2: Don't blow your nose, all the good discussion
0: points are up there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's pleasant
4: and disgusting.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
2: Eric Faulkner on Twitter said, "You're actually going to do the entire Order of the Phoenix, not chicken out like MuggleCast did, right?"
3: You know what's funny? Caleb texted oh, that to oh. me 20 minutes ago.
2: <laughs> I want to defend MuggleCast, but <laughs> I'll settle for actually just making it through the book on this show. Okay, <clears throat> let's talk about death. Yay death! Yay death! Yay death! <laughs>
6: 18 plus.